Thank you, Brother Brian. Let's go to the first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis in chapter number 39. Genesis chapter 39. And I want to ask that we continue to still pray for Miss Kim Bartlett as she's still having to um, having some complications. Uh, and um, let's just continue to pray for the recovery and healing there. And then I spoke with Miss Linda Walden and, and uh, she had an MRI because of something that was seen in her body, but they hadn't received the test, but the doctor did confirm it, it wants to operate anyway. She's waiting to find out uh, when the surgery will be. So I mentioned we will be praying for her. And, um, and then Miss Helen Moore, and she passed and uh, will be having her service on Friday, a funeral service at 2 p.m., the viewing at 1 p.m. for those uh, who have been around Canaan for some time and, and one of the long-time members of Canaan. Um, so that'll be Friday, and, uh, and then her stepson, Jim Moore, will be officiating the service. Um, so um, I want to make sure we got that information to you. Genesis chapter 39, we've talked the last couple of weeks about the presence of God. And uh, just my mind just has been stayed on that, especially with the experiencing God. And so I want us to look at tonight another uh, aspect, an example, a real true life example of one who practiced the presence of God, and that was Joseph. Joseph practicing the presence of God. Remember I said last week, we live by promises. We don't live by explanations. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. I mean, I just was talking with the teachers a little bit ago, and even if God explained to us, we're not capable of understanding His explanation. I'd rather live by His promise than His explanation. And God is not obligated to explain. There are those who have said, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking God why. Maybe not, but you're going to waste a lot of time if that's where you're going to stick in the position of asking God why. Because nowhere in the Bible where you're going to find that He's obligated to tell you why. And again, if He did, we wouldn't understand it. And if He did, we may not agree with it because of our uh, limitation and ignorance. So we live by and stand on the promises of God. With Joseph, there's several things that, that come to my mind as we, if we were to go through the life of Joseph. And, and he's a reminder that when we present our bodies, as Romans chapter 12, and we give our lives to God, presentation plus transformation of God working in our life, it equals realization that God is at work. And Joseph's life is a testimony of that. Joseph knew he was different. He stood out from his brethren, not just because of his coat of many colors, like Mrs. Nava. And, um, and so it's, I just wanted to see if she's paying attention back there. I love that. It, that's what led me to preach on Joseph. I saw that and thought, I got to preach on Joseph. And I just happened to have a message on Joseph. No. But no, he knew he was different because God spoke to him. He knew that there was something. And the truth is, all of us are unique and different. And all of us have the, the same God in His love for us individually as though you're the only person who ever lived. God would have done for each and every one of us what He's done for the entire world. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And uh, so Joseph recognized who he was. He recognized that he gives his life to God. God transforms and he's able to see what God has and, and he recognizes who he is. And with Joseph, we also learns, we, we, can, we can learn as he learns through the lessons that God put him through, that problems, they're actually God's possibilities. There's no problem, but what we ought to look at, here's another possibility for God to work. And Joseph had many troubles. You remember, uh, God gave Joseph his plan, like God gave to David. I've got a plan for you, but the plan didn't come together right away. And we find that Joseph is having to wait and many troubles come into his life. Chapter 37 explains that, scorned by his brothers. He's stripped of that beautiful coat. He's thrown into a pit. Later on, he's lied about. He's thrown into prison and he's just languishing away in prison. He had all kinds of troubles. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he responds, you may have meant it for one thing or another, but God meant it for good. And so God uses the trouble in our life to strengthen us and to mature us. Why? Because he loves us. And God worked in Joseph's life. Now, why is it that God was able to do what God did do? We say because he's God. Well, he's always God. But why isn't he doing it in some people's lives and he's doing it in others? Why did he do in Joseph's life what he did? It's because Joseph practiced the presence of God. Look in Genesis 39, beginning in verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Let's go down to verse number 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now notice in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Notice verse 3. The Lord was with him. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. And then verse number 23. The Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Do you get the idea that God's trying to tell us something about Joseph? Let me tell you, this phrase is so important that in the New Testament, the writer of the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 7 summed up the life of Joseph in Acts 7 and verse 9 and said this, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. That's what the New Testament says. And over and over again, we saw here in these short amount of verses in the Old Testament telling us God was with Joseph. The Lord was with him. For the reason that Joseph's 
dreams and ideal and the promises that God had given to him became a reality is not because God was so insistent that he made it happen regardless of Joseph's cooperation. No, the reason why God said, here's what I want to do, here's what I can do, and the reason it happened was because Joseph practiced the presence of God. Now, he practiced the presence of God in three areas. And I think these same three areas is where you and I can practice the presence of God. Number one, Joseph practiced the presence of God in a time of serving, in a time of servitude. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery. Slavery. We're told in the first verse, these Ishmaelites, they've taken them down into Egypt. They put them on the slave block. And repeatedly, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a handsome young man. It says in verse number six, he was a goodly person. Doesn't mean that he did good. It means he was a good looking man. And he was a man's man. He was athletically built. He was a strong young man. And so to someone to have a slave with this kind of ability would have been a good thing. And so you see poor Joseph as he is taken down in that caravan and he's pulled through the desert sands. He's going down into Egypt and then he's chained and put on the slave block and the auctioneer begins to go about his auctioning of the slaves. And at that time, there's a man by the name of Potiphar. He was the head of Pharaoh's guard. And he had to have been a tough man to have been in that position, to be the chief officer to protect the king. And he saw in Joseph something that was unique, and he bought him. And he takes Joseph and he puts him into his house, Potiphar's house. I want you to notice something very important. If you want to experience God, like God wants you to experience him. You know what Joseph did in verses 2 through 4 that we read? We find that Joseph is serving Potiphar. Potiphar is his slave master. But Joseph serves him not with rebellion, not with a sullenness, not with a pooched lip and grumpiness. No, Joseph took his job as a slave. And as I look around, I don't know of anybody that has a job today that is considered to be a slave, held against your will 24 hours a day. Joseph made his job his temple of devotion. He made his job a lamp stand for witness. See, I think that if every man and woman, every child of God goes to work in and around Covington, Georgia tomorrow, it would do a couple things. It would say, um, well, I, 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 don't, I don't work in a Christian organization. You don't know my environment. Maybe that's exactly why God has you there. Do you think Joseph is working in a Christian organization? Do you think this was a godly environment that he was in? You know, you take lighthouses. You don't put them in downtown Atlanta. Now that you take a, a lighthouse and you put it on a rocky, craggy, barren coast that has a need. And it may be that God has you where you are, particularly where He wants you to be because there's a need. 
God puts you there to let that job be your temple and devotion. And did you know that in your so-called secular employment that God may have put you right where he wants you to be at this point in time? I think about Brother Dan and, and Dan's short time working in a secular job. He's been able to get more people here to church and witness to more people because he recognizes this may be a, a, a temporary job. This may be a place of, that's not a Christian organization, but I'll make it my temple of devotion. I'll let it be my lampstand for a witness to God. In that office, in your business, in that factory, you know a difference can be seen if you're a Christian. Not because of what you do, but because of who Jesus is. As you serve there, no matter what you're doing, do it unto God, not as unto man. It doesn't mean that you disregard man. You're just recognizing God has me here. God has me here. Colossians chapter 3 has a lot to say about being obedient to our masters according to the flesh. And then Paul says, Knowing of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Colossians 3 and verse 24. See, in your normal, ordinary job, make it your temple of devotion. Do what Joseph did and say, Lord, he thinks I'm doing it for him, but actually I'm doing it for you. And if you do it for the Lord, you can do it far better for somebody else because you recognize God is greater. And when you make your job your temple of devotion, then your job is going to be your lamp stand of witness. You see, if Christians would go out tomorrow and live that way, people in this city, they would be able to come in on a Sunday and believe when I preach that Jesus is real, the Bible is true, and they can actually believe it because they saw it lived through the lives of God's people. You know... That really would make a difference. People being a witness. You can start tomorrow morning whenever you go to work experiencing God. Look at verse number 3 of Genesis 39. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. What a testimony. What a testimony. Those that we work for ought to see God's mark upon our lives. And the Bible says everything that happened to this man Potiphar was prosperity. Notice in verse number two, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Do you know what I think Potiphar was, was probably thinking? I wish all my slaves knew God. He looked at Joseph and said, I can't figure out, but after Joseph has come to my house, prosperity has come to my house. And this man worships a God named Jehovah. Well, I wish there were more servants who knew this same God. Listen, how was Joseph able to do this? How was Joseph, as a slave, able to take such a faithful role and work so diligently, so faithfully unto God, even in a pagan society? How? I'll tell you how. He practiced the presence of God. He experienced God. He did as unto the Lord. Genesis 39, 23, and the Lord was with him. See, the Lord was with him in his service. And the Lord wants to manifest himself to you 
and me in service. Now listen, God wanted Joseph to be a ruler. That's one of the things God spoke to him about early on. But before a man can be a ruler, he's got to be a servant. If you're not willing to be a servant, you'll never be a ruler. God always makes servants before he makes rulers. Now, do you think at any time Joseph would have said, I think I've finished the serving course. But God doesn't necessarily listen to what we think about his plan. God's plan is perfect. So Joseph practiced the presence of God in servitude. Here's a second area tonight. Joseph practiced the presence of God. Well, let's read the verses first and I'll tell it to you. Verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. And he knew not aught he had. That is, uh, Potiphar didn't know all that he had. He's trusting Joseph he, he knew not aught he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Joseph practiced the presence of, of God in the area of servitude, but secondly, in the area of self Control. Self-control. In verse number six, here we find and we're reminded of a woman who tries to entice him into an act of fornication and adultery. I want to remind you that this is not a fictitious test. This was real. This was a real test. Joseph was a strong young man. He had things coursing through his blood that you have coursing through yours. And you know the devil spoke to Joseph. And you know the devil would have said to him, listen, why don't you do this? Nobody else is going to, you're a stranger here. This is Egypt. This is what people do in Egypt. No one else is going to know. Go ahead and do it. But notice verse number eight. Joseph's opinion about what the devil said. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Verse number nine. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know why he was able to be victorious in this area? Because he practiced the presence of God in the area of self-control. Now, what was Joseph's attitude? Well, often we hear it preached, and it's true. In verse number 9, I can't sin against God. But you're in Egypt, Joseph. But God sees in Egypt, too. But, but you're in the... The land of the heathen, but God sees even in the land of the heathen. But Joseph did not just say no to this great temptation. And it wasn't a one-time temptation. But he didn't just say no because God sees it, but also because he made some calculations. He said, look at all that I have. Look at all that has been given to me. 
I have been given everything and that my own master doesn't know all that he has. He's put it into my care, except he's kept back his wife, you, from me. I can't do this. Look at all that God has given to me. See, a lot of times people will justify a sin because, well, look at what I don't have. Look, I don't have the relationship that I want. So therefore, I have a right to enjoy. Shouldn't I have a right to enjoy life? Well, sure, but it only comes by trusting and following the giver of life. And he says, look at all that God has given to me. How can I sin against him? But how can I not consider first and foremost all that I've been given? See, there's that gain-loss principle. You don't really know what you gain from anything until you subtract your loss. And he's already making this calculation. And he's calculating and saying, I'm going to lose far more if I yield to this temptation than I would ever gain. Joseph practiced the presence of God in the midst of a great trial to exercise self-restraint. So what happened? Verse number 10, And it came to pass, as she, Potiphar's wife, spake to Joseph day by day. It's one thing whenever you, you say no in the face of temptation, but when it keeps coming back, and it keeps coming back, and that temptation stays, all it takes is one weak moment. Joseph could not afford a weak moment. That's why he leaned on the presence of Almighty God. And day by day that he hearkened not unto her um, to, to lie by her or to be with her. Now he's not listening to her. He's not getting near her. He's making a detour around her. Verse number 11. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. I used to think that meant he was going in to go to the bathroom, but I'm not sure if that's entirely that. But. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Listen, Joseph, when he saw what was happening, he saturated that place with his absence. He just got out. To Joseph, it's better to lose his coat rather than his character. He lost his position, far better to lose your position than lose your purity. He knew that she'd be angry, but he simply left. He ran. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has been placed into our life, but what God makes an exit ramp for us. There's a way to escape. And Joseph found it. Some of you need to learn this, that if you're going to experience God, God cannot bless a person who has moral impurity in their life. He can't do it. 1 Corinthians 6, Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against the body. If you cannot pass the service test, you'll never see God, you'll never experience God until you also are able to pass the self-control test. How is Joseph able to stay pure? How is any man able to stay pure in this day and age? How is any woman able to stay pure? There's only one way. Let me ask the young people here, uh, if you, anybody can quote for me Matthew 5 and verse number 6. Bible quizzer, see how well you, you know. 
Have you heard of Matthew chapter 5? Isn't that your Bible quizzing? Brother Baker's going to kick you off is what's going to happen. Matthew 5, 6. All right, adults who are turning to it, somebody read it. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Why? Because there's something that's deadening about impurity. It's deadening. Conscience is dead. And Jesus said to his disciples, you're not going to see God until there's purity. Listen, purity always precedes power. Purity always precedes power. Now, Joseph, you say, well, he took a chance in saying no. Look what it got him. He lost his job. He got moved into jail. Listen, there are some, I think, I, I believe this. I've given this advice many times, but it's better for you to move out of that office, quit your job, than to lose your purity. It is better for you, if you're in a neighborhood and having difficulty because of where you are, to sell that house and get out of that neighborhood. You say, I would take a loss. You'll take a greater loss if it puts a ding in your purity. Friend, there's no price too great to pay for purity. None. Joseph was willing to pay a price. Why? How did he do this? Because he practiced the presence of God. Not only did he practice the presence of God in service, not only did he practice the presence of God in self-control, but he practiced the presence of God, number three, in suffering. And suffering. Notice in verse number 13. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, this is Potiphar's wife, and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled, and he got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice, cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. This is not an ordinary prison. This is the king's prison where the king's prisoners were bound. But notice verse 21. Notice. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, you're getting some idea of why God would bless this man. Because not only do you see him experiencing God in service, in self-control, but also in suffering. He's been lied against. And hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. Potiphar's wife has been made a fool. She accuses Joseph of assault and attempted rape. How do you think Joseph felt? Do you know what Joseph was suffering for right there? He wasn't suffering because he did anything wrong. He didn't do anything bad. He was suffering for being pure. Can you imagine the whispering that was taking place? 
the embarrassment when he's thrown into jail. Can you imagine what some of the other slaves must have done with smile on their faces saying, here comes old Holy Joe. Uh, you know, he's really not what everyone said he was. Laughing. Brings me to say, you need to be careful too what you believe about God's servants. You need to believe what is said about God's servants filtered through what God thinks. God gives us ways in which to go about some of the things that are just loosely said. Well, I just didn't like the way they handled it. You think maybe they didn't like the way you handled it either? Well, I got it straight from the horse's mouth. Well... That horse may not have been Mr. Ed, so you might want to be careful about what you heard. It's interesting in Joseph's life, there's a lot of things that were assumed that never happened. The brothers assumed, or excuse me, the father, Joseph's dad, assumed he was dead. Why? Because someone made it out to be that way without actually saying it. Others would have assumed Joseph was guilty. You say, do we know that? Of course, Potiphar did. He made the assumption based upon the accusation. I'm saying you better be careful about what you believe. How the devil loves to slander good men. I want you to see what's happening here. He's thrown into prison. Verse 21 through 23, notice. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him, what's the word? And gave him, what's the word? In the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made him to, what's the word? You're never going to lose with God. You're just not going to lose. Paul Sitting in jail. For me to live, it's Christ. To die, it's still Christ. It'll be gain. God uses this difficulty in Joseph's life to continue developing what God has been developing in Joseph's life. He's thrown into prison. He's in training. God is training Joseph to run a nation. Everywhere Joseph goes, he runs into difficulty. And God uses that difficulty as a school to make this man strong. Listen, you will never be a leader. What is a leader? A leader is one who knows what to do next, why that's important, what resources to bring into the equation. You'll never be a leader if you flee from difficulty. That's one of the great tragedies of having churches just smattered all over the place because many of those have been started because of a disgruntled person who refused to work through difficulty. Difficulties come. Jesus said difficulties will come. But when you run, when you flee, you're to flee fornication. You're not to flee the difficulty. What are you to do? Let God use the difficulty to make you into the, the leader, the one who knows what to do next. What is it? 
trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy but to trust and obey. You don't flee faith-building opportunities. You smile and thank God that he's still God. Learn as Joseph did. Turn your problems into possibilities. Romans 8, 28. And all things, all things work together for good to them that love God except you, right? That's the way you feel, but that's not the way God says it. Practice the presence of God wherever you are in whatever the difficulty. Remember that God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. But practice it. Practice, experience God in times of servitude. Experience God in his presence in times of self-control where that's needed. Practice and experience the presence of God in times of suffering. You know what that'll lead you to? It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Why? Because God's presence and love for you will never quit. In Genesis 40 and verse 23, jump over to the next chapter. <clears throat> Notice the last verse of the next chapter. This verse simply sums up the entire chapter of chapter 40. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. That's what the whole chapter 40 is basically telling us. Well... What did that do, trusting God? What did that do, experiencing God? It just left you to be a loser. Joseph's in prison. He thinks that somebody's going to take a message and get him out of prison. But when the butler that Joseph helps get out of prison helps leave Joseph in prison, Joseph is there. But what I want you to see is something else. Notice in chapter 41. In verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. See, even though Joseph seems to be forgotten, all of chapter 40, no attention. No one's loving on Joseph. It gets good, maybe a little bit of ray of light, then it gets worse. And though it may seem that everyone has forgotten Joseph, chapter 41, verse 46 reminds us, God didn't. He goes from a 17-year-old boy to a 30-year-old man experiencing the presence of God in areas of serving wherever God puts him in places where he's able to exercise self-control and in times of suffering. And we're going to see in a moment that Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Why? He refused to quit because God's love and God's presence doesn't quit. And Joseph kept on going because he knew that his heart was right. Let me give you another verse if you want to write it down. Psalm 37, verses 5 through 9. It's a good one to remember. But again, it's just one of those verses, one of those, another passage reminding us it's always too soon to quit. God knows what he's doing. God is not interested in time as we are. God has his schedules. 
The Lord came to Joseph in due time. The Bible says that Jesus came in due time, in the fullness of time. He's coming again in his own time. Listen, God has his schedule, but with God, timing is far more important than time. Quit worrying about, it's time, God, it's time. No, he knows time. He understands it more than we'll ever understand it. But he's far more concerned with timing than time. Let me give you another verse. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. In fact, read this one. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Joseph seems to be buried alive. You know what immaturity does? It says, I'm ready for this. I need this. I need this. God put this in my heart. God called me a long time ago. God put this and said, this relationship, I need this. God put it in my heart, this ministry, I need this. God put in my heart, this job, I need I am, I'm going after it. And you get into this rocky mode, this champion deep down inside of you, this eye of the tiger, and we get this world philosophy and mindset to course through our veins, and we get this tenacious but also manipulative unbelief setting in, even in the name of God. I want to tell you, God doesn't just keep you from getting involved in situations not just because he says you're not ready when you think you are. But have you ever thought that when it comes to a job, a relationship, and a ministry, that there's more people involved than just you and me? I need this relationship. Well, God knows that you may destroy that person. No, I won't. If God says you will, then you will. I need this ministry for you or for God. If it's for God, can't you trust God? There have been many a church that has been hurt because someone didn't wait on God. They just needed to do their thing. It's not your thing. They're God's people. They're souls. Do you think God cared about Joseph? Well, did he? Couldn't God have just said, Joseph, 17-year-old, nothing will look better. I mean, David, if David can bring down the giant at just a teenager, then you can do this. You can, if you will trust me, Joseph, I can help you run this nation. Sure. But God says, I know better than you. I want to tell you how we're going to do it. You're going to learn to exercise my presence when it doesn't make sense to you. In the place where I put you, you can learn, learn to serve God with the joy of the Lord. If you can't serve God when you've been beaten and stripped and lied about and stolen and sold and promoted, demoted, you can't serve God any place. If you can't experience my presence in the midst of temptation... You can't serve God. If you can't serve me, Joseph, in the midst of suffering, you're not really serving me. 
They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, Joseph seemed to be buried alive, forgotten by his brothers, forgotten by an evil woman who lied about his character, forgotten by Potiphar, forgotten by the butler, but he was never forgotten by God. Learn to wait on God. God given Joseph a dream, his plan that is. And he never forgot that. I want you to, ready to finish. Look at chapter 41. Look at verse number 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And with thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. See, the Bible tells us how God took Joseph, made Joseph a man of great wealth, a man of great power, a man of great fulfillment. It's an amazing thing how, how God worked, but what God did for Joseph. God shown Joseph this when he was a youngster, that one of these days this is going to happen. But it would never have happened had Joseph not experienced the presence of God. It's always too soon to quit. He comes from prison to the palace. You may be in deep discouragement now, but I beg you, don't quit. It's too soon to quit. Don't you doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. But God's more concerned about timing than your time. God did not fail Joseph, and God will not fail you. Joseph had a slave's hand for many years, but now he's wearing a royal ring. Joseph was wearing prison uniform, but now he's wearing fine linen garments. No longer does he have the iron chains of bondage. Now he's got a gold chain around his neck. I read this story and I got to thinking about this. And think with me for a moment. Joseph is the supreme ruler in Egypt. Unlimited power controlling everything that Pharaoh has. Now, who was Pharaoh's chief guard? Potiphar. Can you imagine Potiphar coming home from supper one night and say, saying to Mrs. Potiphar, do you remember that slave boy a long time ago? I bought him at a slave market. His name was Joseph. Do you remember him? And he attacked you and assaulted you and, and tried to rape you. Do you remember that young man? Oh, yes, honey, I remember him. I just imagine Mr. Potiphar saying, uh, well, sweetheart, I hope you're telling me the truth because tomorrow I report to him. Listen, God knows what he's doing. You can wait on God. You can trust God. Never get in a hurry. Never get in a hurry. Except when you're trying to get to God. Don't demand to understand. Why would you want to push providence? Don't push around the providence of God. Trust Him. Wait on the Lord. Let God give you a dream and then watch the process of God developing it within your life. Joseph said in chapter 50 and verse 20, you may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
Let God take your difficulties and your problems and make something good out of them. How can you do that? Practice the presence of God. Experience God. This chapter two of experiencing God, it is such a joy. So simplistic and such a blessing. And the truth is, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And God was with him. And Joseph then experienced God in service, in self-control, and in suffering. That's how he turned providence into possibilities. Friend, it's always too soon to quit. Let me close with this. Senator Jesse Hems told the story of a brilliant Russian dissident. It was a literary genius. And um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I, I've been practicing it all day and it just doesn't stick. But I'll, his first name looks like Alexander, so I'll go with that. The Russians didn't like him because of his faith in God and then also the ideas he had about freedom. So they put him in a concentration camp. It was a labor camp. And, and he said to the United States Senator Jesse Hems at the time, I, I hope you never have to experience a, a situation like this. He said, I'll tell you a little bit about how the camp was. We were cut off from all contact with the outside world, all contact. No letters could come in or out. We had no newspapers. We had no books. We had nothing to read, nothing to, that had any print on it. We had nothing to write with. There was no phones. There were no calls. We had no radio, no television. We were cut off completely from the outside world. We could not even communicate with one another. The prisoners were not allowed. They could not speak to one another. So they had nothing to look at that had communication. They couldn't communicate audibly, nor with their eyes and reading anything. And on top of that, we were put into forced labor where the work was so hard, the manual labor so grueling, it was excruciating labor day after day. Alexander said, I got to wondering, does anybody know that I'm even here? Does anybody care? And even if they did over time, they're going to assume I'm dead and it began to play on my mind. After a while, he said, I thought I'd rather die than stay in prison camp. I'll take my own life. And by this time, his mind was becoming twisted and warped. And he said, I will. I'll just end my own life. But then he said, my Christian faith would not allow me to do it. I knew it was wrong. because, But, but my mind became, however, so warped that I decided I would do this. And I decided that I would try and just run and escape. And I knew that they would shoot me, then it wouldn't be my fault, it'd be theirs. He said, just every way I was imagining how to get out of this. He said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just, there's no way to escape, but if I tried, they'll end the misery that I'm in. So on a particular day, we were out on work detail. The sun was blazing hot. For Russia, he said that was unusual, but the sun was blazing hot. The guard had given us just a moment to sit under a tree. And while I was sitting there, I saw the guard with the gun. I said, this is the time. I will spring up. I'll run. He'll take that gun. He'll shoot me between the shoulders. It'll be all over. He said, I flex my knees. I put my hands on the ground and I was ready to spring up. I was ready to run. When another man came, a prisoner, I suppose he was a prisoner. I don't ever remember seeing him before, but he came and stood in front of me. 
Remember, we were not allowed to talk, nor allowed to communicate in any way. He had a stick in his hand. It was really more like a twig off of a tree. Alexander said, that man looked into my eyes with compassion, understanding, and love. And as, as though he looked right into my very soul. As if to say, I know everything that you're thinking. And what you're thinking is wrong. And then the man with that stick, as though he were simply doodling in the ground, he drew a cross and then he walked away. Alexander said, I don't know who he was or what he was, but for me, he was an angel of God. I knew what I was doing was wrong and I settled back and just committed to the Lord. Alexander said, little did I know that all over the world people were praying for me, writing me letters, and inside of just one week, in just seven days, I would be a free man in Geneva, Switzerland. Inside one week, that's all it was. Let me say it again. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Joseph was in prison one day, the next day, He's the ruler of Egypt. Let God put his dream back in your heart. Of what? Of the fact that he's God. And it's a, it's a dream that will come true. He wants to lavish his love on you and show you what he can do for you. Take the ideal of what the Bible describes to be the Christian life and experience God. Let's stand together, please.